I'm from Oakland, right? And so one of the things I talk about all the time is that home should always be an option. There are so many creative-ass people in Oakland, from Oakland, around the Bay Area, et cetera, and we've all been taught that we need to leave home in order to make something happen with our careers. And so when we have spaces like this and we have initiatives like this and we're really pushing in this way, that means that home becomes more of an option for us. Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Erin, here with my co-host, Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events. Sometimes over a glass of whiskey. But if you're thirsty for more bitches, find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay Best Podcast in 2022. And now, on with the show. What up, Bitch Talkers? We are live in Oakland covering the Town Biz event, which for me, as someone who is raised, I was born on the peninsula in the Bay, but raised in San Leandro, this is like a very, very long time coming. You have no idea how excited I am about this. And for a little bit of backstory, the current mayor of Oakland, Mayor Tao, has started this initiative to center film and TV production as a cornerstone of economic development for Oakland. Yeah. Imagine that. It's kind of a no-duh situation. Um, but also, thank you, finally. Yes. I, I, some other folks have said it. It's timing. It's timing. It's organizing. Now there's, there's really, really an investment here. Uh, we've seen years of productions come out of Oakland and the East Bay. We've been so excited about them. We've been on the train with them. Yes. And now I, there's a movement. So enjoy. Enjoy these interviews with some of Oakland's finest. We are real excited to be at the Town Business in Oakland. Big event. And we're talking with Faviana Rodriguez, activist, artist, all around good human. How are you? I'm great, thank you. I'm really excited for today's event. This is something that we've been organizing for a long time and it's a really historic moment because it's artists and activists coming together across discipline to have a big vision for our city. I've been waiting for this moment for literal decades. Uh, the Wayans brothers wanted to do something a long time ago in Alameda and it just never happened. So um, how did you get involved exactly? Well, I was born and raised in Oakland. I mean, I've been involved with cultural <laughs> movements here for many, many years. And I know, actually, that the divestment in Oakland has been so awful that it's actually prevented so many projects from coming into fruition. But I think we're in a different moment. I think we're much more organized. I think many of us, including folks like Kamau Bell, Pete Nick, Cheryl Dunye, have now created institutions that allow us to imagine something bolder and we have an administration that's really down for our ideas and so it's different and I also think that in the past you know I'm a visual artist and I'm I'm an interdisciplinary artist and I know that as artists we've been trying to do a lot but we now have entertainment with us and that's significant and I believe that film and television can behave as a sort of Trojan horse because film and television requires so much collaboration that it opens the door to so many other cultural practices. Absolutely, completely agree. So what do you think gives creatives from the Bay a unique perspective on storytelling? 
Well, first is that our region is deeply political. I mean, the Panthers were born here. Folks like Harvey Milk. I mean, we got the Folsom Street Fair. We got everything covered from sexual freedom to queer visibility to black power, even the Chicano movement, Native American movement, right? Iwar Kun, the I-Hotel, the Filipino movement has all been here. And we have built such a record of multiracial power building disruption that it is in our culture. We stand on the shoulders of giants. And I think what we will do different is that we're going to bring a justice, a racial justice lens, a gender justice lens to whatever we do. Because yes, we know there's Atlanta. We know that there's other cities who are trying this, but when you're going to film in Atlanta, you're also supporting a state that is eroding our democratic freedoms, right? A state that is clearly anti-abortion. And I think what we offer and how we do things is we're very intersectional in terms of, of, of how we view liberation and justice. And I think that the filmmakers here, the storytellers here, they tell stories that fundamentally are going to change worldviews. You know, we are also in a place where the hardship here is is real. It's deep. The wealth inequality that you see here, you don't see in other places. So California, you know, the fourth largest economy in the world, has a lot of challenges, and we see them. And so I think that, you know, the combination of our political history, our ability to be disruptive, and also that we are face-to-face -face with wealth inequality, with economic devastation, and that creates a certain type of artist that can't exist in any other place. <laughs> okay, I'll ask kind of a silly one, but a fun one. With your production lens on and thinking about filming, top three East Bay spots to see either on a TV or a big screen. Okay, yes. <laughs> um, so, number one, the Fruitvale. You know, um, I really loved Fruitvale Station, of course, and I think that there is an immigrant vibe in the Fruitvale and San Antonio. You know, it's an area where 124 languages are spoken. And that to me is very powerful. Like when you go into the little Chinese grocery store and what you see there, and then in the next block you go into a piñata store, like the, this deep intersection of immigrant communities to me is, is, is beautiful. And I think that that's a story to be told. I also, you know, as a climate activist, I think the fact that we have the Redwoods here and when I go to the Redwoods and I see all these like Latino families from the flatlands walking in that park, to me, our access to nature is unparalleled. You know, I've spent a lot of time in L.A. Griffith Park just doesn't cut it. And the fact that we have the redwoods here, which, you know, the redwoods are the tallest trees in the world. And they also only uniquely can grow in on, on these coastlines. And they are also trees that are, their roots are interconnected. So the redwoods are trees that naturists study all over the world. And the fact that we have it here, like, I think, I really believe actually we need to be telling more climate stories because the world is on fire and those most impacted are the people who live in my neighborhood in West Oakland. And then finally, I would actually say on that note that we need to tell stories about West Oakland and the climate racism that has happened there because of the port. That port is the amount of fossil fuels being emitted on the 880 freeway transporting goods from the Oakland airport to the port are like an ecological crisis. And I think that when we talk about pollution or when we talk about, you know, everyone's talking about fossil fuels, 
But there is a cost on who dies and who suffers, and those communities are in West Oakland, and I would like to see the stories of the over 25% black people displaced over the period of Jerry Brown's administration. I think those are very powerful locations that need to be unearthed, and I love that West Oakland is also the home of the Panthers, but there is so much after, especially in the 80s, 90s, 2000s that took place there. I mean, the earthquake, the, the collapse of the Mandela Bridge that actually was beneficial to that neighborhood because those freeways cut that entire hood in half, right? And so I want to see stories like that that also show, you know, the intersection of climate, of extreme weather, racial justice, uh, and I want to see them in, in this city. Love it. Ooh, Fabiana, we don't need we to talk, talk to, to anyone you else. All day. I think that's a wrap. I, but I did want to ask before we let you go, what do you see as your role in this new initiative to put Oakland on the map? And what is your advice to Oakland creatives that have never had these sort of resources before? Yeah, well, my role is to actually think about the systems, the collaborations and the relationships it's going to take to make this happen. I am an organizer and I'm also an artist and I've built an institution that went from $60,000 to $16 million. And out of that 16 million, we moved eight of it to the hands of artists, $8 million to BIPOC artists throughout the South, in Indian country, in the border region. And so I know that there are resources out there, but I think we need to think big. And I think sometimes with artists, and I know this because I work with artists, we tend to think really small about our impact. The Atlanta idea began somewhere. And I think that we need to know that there are many things in our favor. I mean, number one is this state already produces narratives that are shaping the world. The industry is already concentrated here. We have a governor who is deeply, deeply committed to racial justice, climate justice. I mean, what we can propose is very bold, right? We have city council members, a mayor who also gets racial justice. And I think, you know, for me, I'm, I'm excited about this initiative because this is not just about film and TV. This is about film and TV through a lens of people who have been most impacted by devastating policies over 500 years. Like our stories as impacted people, as oppressed people, are not centered in entertainment. And it's a real problem, right? It leads to very harmful policies. And so I think, I always believe that we have the solutions, but we need to be bold. And so that's what the work that I'm going to do is think about who do we need to connect with in the private sector, in the public sector, how do we think about this? You know, not as like crabs in a bucket, because that happens. You know, sometimes we get over competitive with each other without seeing the long view. I am not a filmmaker, I'm an interdisciplinary artist, but I know that film and TV is actually the way to open up this path. It's going to benefit all of us. And I also think film and TV is the fastest way to change hearts and minds, and we need that. We're in a crisis right now. And so that's, yeah, my role is going to be to help bring people together, to help set a vision and to also really hold folks accountable to something that can be deeply transformative for BIPOC communities. Great. And then your advice for creatives and artists that are going to have now have these resources. Yeah. You know, my, my advice for creatives as artists is to start thinking around how you can scale your offerings now. Right. So and what I mean by that is that when industries, especially in the screen sector, begin to expand, they need a lot of things. They need set designers. They need visual artists. They need cooks. They need musicians. Right. They, they need all kinds of services. I mean, people even hire environmental consultants. And so to think about 
how are you talking about what you could offer and your skill set? How are you telling the story of who you are and why your work is important, I think is going to be key because we're also seeing more and more companies, and I also think we're going to require it, that companies look at, you know, female founders, uh, people of color founders, immigrant founders, queer, trans, disabled. And so I think thinking about how you can share what it is that your skill set is to an industry, whether that's updating your website, getting your communications plan together, thinking about what kind of teams do you need to hire in order for you to scale over the next few years. I mean, this is not going to happen right away. These things take five to 10 years. But I think overall, that's the advice I always give to artists is to stop thinking small and think like, okay, how do I reach more people? How can I cross sectors and not just work with galleries and museums who I think most galleries and museums are just not moving at the speed of what we need to be doing. And we, ha we need other kinds of partnerships. And so I would encourage artists to start thinking about that now because those kinds of shifts takes a few years as well. Okay, now we're here with Chuck Johnson with Soul Beat. Thank you for coming to chat with us, Chuck. My pleasure, my pleasure. How y'all doing tonight? We are so excited. The energy is great in this spot right now. Why was it so important for you to be part of this night? This is just important for Oakland to show up for Oakland and, and, and establish this infrastructure that's been much needed. How many uh, decades have you been working on this? And what does this moment look like to you? This journey started actually in 2009. Um, I was a co-convener of a um, task force for entertainment commission, ideal, and uh, was actually paying attention to uh, San Francisco's entertainment commission at the time. So just the interest in um, just understanding that Oakland has been a beautiful place a long time that, you know, people all over the world like to come to and develop content. And so we just decided, hey, let's get that structure there. Let's get some organization there. And so to see us where we're getting to this point where, you know, the real true interest has been shown now. So I'm, I'm just glad that we're here today. So can you give us a little background history on Soul Beat? It says on your shirt right here, Television Network established in 1978. Okay, so Soul Beat was one of the first black-owned television networks in the country. It was established in 1978. It was uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 25 years. And so uh, for me, my journey started with Soul Beat. I had a hip-hop video show there where I interviewed uh, hip-hop artists such as uh, Jay-Z, LL Cool J, uh, Goody Mob, and uh, among others. So my effort was to uh, just preserve the legacy of Soul Beat. We're at SoulBeatNetwork.com. We're also uh, on the gram at Soul Beat TV, and I'm actually working on a documentary for uh, this uh, story. About Soul Beat itself or yes. about the musicians yes. or which uh, part? The story itself. Shout out to um, Chuck Johnson, the founder of Soul Beat. Again, whether it's Michael Jackson to Prince and others, they all came to Soul Beat when they came to the Bay Area. So we was like a main hub for um, R&B to uh, hip hop to politics to church, you name it. Uh, Soul Beat was a network for real. The undertone of Oakland in the history of so many like legendary artists they just like to kick it in the Bay Area. And Prince was one of those people. He used to really come to the hood in Oakland and do jam outs with various different artists, including, of course, you know, the, you know, the Sheila E's and the Escovito family, of course, but he went beyond that. Like, he just really had a thing for our, our level and our vibration. So, uh, bottom line is, is I, I just appreciated those era because 
you know, keep it real with Sobe, whether it was Nas, whether it was the Fugees, various artists, whenever they had to come to the West Coast, we were like, you know, on their main list to, you know, come come vibe with us and catch a sense of where we at in the Bay Area. They actually came through us to find that out. So I just think that that's the undertone story that needs to, that doesn't need to be forgotten. Please tell me you have all the footage. Wow, I got a, I got a, I got a quite a bit. Uh, you can check our trailer out. Uh, it's on again our website and also on all our uh, social media platforms. You know wherever you want to find us. Chuck, what do you see your role in this initiative being to inspire future creatives from Oakland? Wow, um, you know my my interest is to aim, aim high for whether it's going to be a television show, whether it's going to be a documentary, whether it's commercials, you name it. We just want to become a real institution. You know, uh, case an example, uh, my, my story begins with uh, the idea with the Wayne brothers when they were actually thinking about doing what was called uh, North Hollywood. Um, shout out to uh, council member, you know, Larry Reed at the time. He introduced me to uh, um, directly to Marlon and um, Dwayne. So they gave me that 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 seed a long time ago that, you know, we, we can really establish a, a series industry for uh, television and film and beyond here in our area. What Oakland stories do you think still need to be told? Wow, that's that's which it's almost like which dimension, you know? Yeah, which decade of the story? Which decade? Which dimension? Like, do you want to talk about, uh, you know, how you know Black Black Panthers uh, documentary has been done before, but I haven't seen it really done right here in, in our area. Whether it's you know, I, I'm gonna give y'all one that I want to do, and it's uh, Ricky Henderson, you know, the ball player. It's just a lot of it's just a lot of vast stories that we got, you know. Now, now that we, it's been around now, you got places like Pixar in our backyard. It's just, which area would you want to tap into, you know? And what kind of advice do you have for an aspiring filmmaker that hasn't had these sort of resources? Be un- unapologetic with your voice. Be fearless with your story. Learn that vulnerability is power. And um, never stop until you get it done. So we've been doing our thing, so to speak, you know, just building up the legacy and reminding people of the energy of Soul Beat. So uh, look out for us for uh, Soul Beat Day, which is uh, July 30th most years. This year is going to be July 28th, uh, 2024. So, you know, just, again, just check us out on the gram. And now we're friends, so we'll be working together, hopefully. We are here with filmmaker Naima Jordan. Thank you for coming on Bitch Talk. Thank you for having me. Why was it so important for you to come here tonight? Oh, I'm just so excited for tonight. So excited for the movement that is happening. Excited that so many people are really on board. I love how many creative folks there are here in Oakland. And this is just a really good night to platform that. How many years as a filmmaker have you been waiting for this moment? To be real. Even as I don't even know if I can say just as a filmmaker, it might be all of my life. I'm from Oakland, right? And so one of the things I talk about all the time is that home should always be an option. There are so many creative ass people in Oakland, from Oakland, around the Bay Area, etc. And we've all been taught that we need to leave home in order to make something happen with our careers. And so when we have spaces like this and we have initiatives like this and we're really pushing in this way, that means that home becomes more of an option for us. 
and we've been noticing, we were at Sundance last year, and there was a good handful of films that were based in the Bay. So from being born and raised here, how have you watched the evolution of the Bay being represented, and, and uh, what would you like to see in the future? Yeah, so I think that um, being born in the Bay Area, being raised in Oakland, I think Oakland has always had some sort of representation everywhere, right? And there's always been the influence, but I do think that we're seeing a lot more film of Oakland and things taking place in Oakland, but unfortunately, a lot of that is not able to be filmed in Oakland. And part of not filming in Oakland is about incentives that we don't have, it's about the affordability of the space, it's about the infrastructure, right? And so when we have conversations like this, initiatives like this, events like this, that means that maybe we're getting closer to the things that are about Oakland actually being able to be created in Oakland. And how do you feel or how do you think that film will uplift not only just Oakland but East Bay stories? Yeah, so I think that film is going to uplift the stories just in the sense of like giving a platform for the creatives who are here. But I think the other thing that happens is there's an economic development hap that happens when you have film being made in Oakland. There is There are resources that are being poured back into the community, right? There is a space where, again, like I said, folks who are from here and want to create here are able to do that. And I think that any space where the creative folks can feel empowered, then what you have is just a better a better sense of community, a better sense of being, and it changes the energy when folks get to live and work where they love. What do you think makes being from the Bay a unique perspective when it comes to creating art? We're pausing. <laughs> um, pause. Um, I was like, that's a good one. I mean, because there are so many things that make our perspectives as folks from the Bay Area unique. I think that we have very different experiences than anywhere in the country. I've lived in multiple spaces. I have friends from all over. I do think that there's something very unique about being in the Bay Area, and I think it's the merge of cultures here. I think it's the history here. I think it's the resistance here. I think it is the independent nature and culture here, and you can see that in our music. You see that in our activism. You see that in our music, right? We're very like, get it how you live, get it out the trunk, sort of like move against the grain and I think that that influences our storytelling because we're more willing to go out the box with the stories that we tell and I think that pushes culture forward and so yeah very unique space to be and it influences our, our perspective all the time. I'm asking you because you're a filmmaker okay. <laughs> give me give me maybe your top three places in Oakland that you'd like to see on the big screen and you haven't yet there's no okay. wrong answer so, top, so, so, so when I think about top three spaces in Oakland that I would like to see on film that I haven't seen yet, I would like to see more of an emphasis on East Oakland. Yes, I am biased because I'm from East Oakland. However, I think that there is a tendency to focus on like parts of West Oakland, downtown, and the lake, and people act like Oakland doesn't exist beyond the lake. And so <laughs> I'd really like us to understand that that's not true, right, that there's more in that space. I think that also more of an emphasis on just families in Oakland and different types of families in Oakland. I think that it's really easy to get one perspective of Oakland and we're so diverse and so I would love to see more diversity in terms of what Oakland really means in that space. And then the third thing I can think of, I think I would like people to understand or showcase a little bit more of 
uh, what was happening in Oakland that gave rise to the Panthers, right? Because we have a lot of emphasis on the Panthers, but we don't really have an understanding of the ecosystem that they came up in and why they had to come up in that space. And I think that that would give us a little bit more understanding of the resistance. So those are the top three things that come to mind right now. Might have some more later. We'll ask you after you have a drink. Just kidding. We'll we'll see you after two beers, okay? We're going to be looking for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hey, I'm George Rush. I'm a producer, produce Sorry to Bother You, uh, entertainment attorney as well, and love Oakland. (laughs) My question for you is why is it important to tell Oakland stories, and why is the moment now? Um, well, I think, you know, Oakland and the Bay Area, you know, I, I just think in the, the entertainment industry, there's a lot of consolidation happening. And it's like L.A., New York, it's like all the same stories over and over. I think Oakland and the Bay Area just have like, you know, just a different vibe. And particularly because it kind of comes from that activist tradition, you know, just thinking about issues and, and, and like what it all means as opposed to kind of vapid entertainment. And I feel like right now the streamers have kind of won the battle. They're the dominant force. But it's very uh, monoculture. And, yeah, I just think there's just something different to say. And I think the audiences want something different. Like, like I don't know about you. Like, when I go on Netflix or Amazon, I can't find anything to watch, you know? That speaks to me. And I just think, like, like it's so diverse here and there's so many, like, different voices trying to say something. So it's like... It is the moment. Like, like it is. That's why this is happening tonight. So I'm, I'm excited. As a producer, what are some stories that are specifically Oakland stories that you're excited to tell or you want to help tell? You know, definitely, again, in that sort of activist tradition. But I would say, you know, like Boots. Uh, you know, Boots is politics. You know, he's like a Marxist. But again, that, that voice, I think, is often silenced or sort of marginalized. You know, I'm marginalized just like, oh, you know, this guy's ridiculous, like Marxism. But if you, like, listen to what he says, I mean, every time I get together with Boots, uh, and, and, you know, we're very, very different in a, in a way, but I'm like, oh, I totally agree with everything you're saying, you know? And so it's like trying to put it in a way that everyone can kind of understand, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, we've got these screwed up things in our society, and here's a way to address them instead of just, like, sweeping in, uh, you know under the carpet so I would say you know and, and not just Boots but you know I mean other directors here you, you know whether it's the blind spotting guys there's just like a lot of people kind of on the same vibe on the same wavelength that you know want to say something but also you know it, it's not just even a matter of like oh representation but it's like wanting to change things you know it's like okay we've got this screwed up world blah 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 well what are you going to do about it how are you going to fix this and I think the thing about here is there's a lot of people here trying to address that, you know. So that's the exciting thing to me. Okay, I do want to ask about Sorry to Bother You. <laughs> Were you an early adopter to the screenplay, or how did that play out for you? Because, I mean, I can't imagine being a producer and being like, oh, first-time director, this screenplay is bonkers, and it's going to be filmed in Oakland? Yeah, so, you know, I, I mean, I grew, up, I grew up in the Bay Area in San Francisco, and so I always know who Boots was and you know, knew about the coup and knew about him as an activist. And so I, I host every year this, like, karaoke holiday party, you know? Invited. Uh, no, I accept. Yeah. So, okay, De- December 7th at the Roxy Theater. Okay, there's trophies. we got contortionists. we got magicians. Oh, and we got karaoke. So it's a contest. So it's a thing. This is a, the 14th year I've done this. George. So, so, and, and, you know, I do it with a, a lot of other groups, uh, media support groups around here. 
So anyhow, I remember Boot showed up, and I knew who he was, but I, I'd like had quite a bit to drink at that time. So I was like intimidated to speak with him because I knew he's very political, and I, I didn't want to like slip up or say something stupid. And so I remember he got up. It was his turn to sing, and he sang "Still Rock and Roll to Me" by Billy Joel. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 he, and he nailed it too. He won a trophy. Yes. So I was like, "Oh, I can talk to this guy." You know. So so when he was done, I went up and I was like, "Wow, that's amazing." And really, he like pulled out of his backpack. He's all, "Well, read this," and he gave me the script. And I was like, "What?" And you know, I'm like kind of drunk, and I was like, "All right." And so the next morning, like super hungover, I read it, and it was like the most original thing I'd ever read. I, I like called him immediately. I was like, "How do I get involved? Let me. How can I help you? I, I want to help you do this." And and again, I, you know, I, I'm up here. Like my background, I'm an entertainment attorney, so you know. I wouldn't say I have like all the answers, but I'm like whatever I can do, and it was like the best journey. Boots is uh, a one of a kind kind of director. So I mean, the great thing was like he'd never done it before, so he's just like let's try it this way, and we're like, well, that's not how it works. He's like, well, let's try it. So it's like, and that's why the film came out kind of the way it did because we kind of went against the grain over and over and over. And again, I would say uh, the other thing about people up here is like in LA, people are like trying to climb up the hierarchy like oh I'm trying to get with these studio people I'm trying to do this like like here I just feel like there's a group of people who are all supportive of each other and it's not about like climbing that ladder it's like about saying something you know and so that was the vibe I kind of got from him and it was the best and I would just say like Boots is someone you know whether you agree or disagree with his politics I feel like he's one of the people I know that kind of walks the walk you know I mean he's like what he's saying, that's how he acts, you know, and, and, and he does right by people, and that's like a big deal to me. So, so yeah, yeah, it was, it was like, but, but that being said, signing up for that was like a really difficult process, and we barely got it done, but it, it came out great, yeah. To go from being an entertainment lawyer to a producer on Sorry to Bother You, like one of the most out there, intense, creative films, I can't imagine the roller coaster you went through. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife keeps telling me, like, hey, maybe you should find a new hobby, you know, because it's like, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I feel like from my perch, I mean, the hard thing with most of these filmmakers here is it's like uh, being a filmmaker, an independent filmmaker, it's hard to have uh, sustainability in your career. So for me, like, I can be an attorney, and then maybe every couple of years I can produce a film, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, I didn't get rich off it, but it's one of the, the proudest... The things I'm proudest of is having been involved in that. So, and, and I'd say that for I mean all the films that have been made here recently, and really just Oakland, and like I'm a, I'm a, like a San Francisco person, you know. But it's like I'm I'm not blind. Like all the artists have moved here, you know. And so this is the spot, and there's like a critical mass of people all trying to say something and all trying to like you know find solutions. And, and in the very least, like I just feel like art. To me, like art expresses empathy you know it's like oh this is how these other people are and i shouldn't be such an asshole or judgy or whatever you know and i just think there's such a great group of people here trying to do those things so yeah it's a special place and it's like the moment is sort of now hi tommy how are you Congratulations on all the things, Tommy. I like to get a closer look at this coat oh, yeah. because it's just like... Is this like, a Grammy coat? It's in the light. Uh, it is a Grammy coat. I think you should... Hey. Years ago. I think you should sleep in it. You go to the beach in it. Like, everything uh, in this man, coat. Yeah, it depends on, like, I stand this way and it's one color. I stand this way and sometimes that's how I feel, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
mean, we're talking to Tommy Shepard, everyone. He's won, how many Grammys did you win? One, but nominated four times. Correct. So, I mean, you're you're a winner all around. Yes. So, <laughs> we've, not, we've known each other for a minute. We're standing here. This is a moment. What does this moment mean to you at Town Business? This moment right now in Town Business is a moment of community that Favi has always brought together. She has uh, brought a whole space full of culture keepers together. My wife works for for the, for the company. I yet was still invited, <laughs> so I'm not on like a work a work thing with my wife tonight. You know what I mean? Like just being honored in that way of being um, invited as a tastemaker, as a culture keeper. Because you know, uh, honestly, I don't even really know what's going on. <laughs> But that's Favi, and like she like be like come through, and I do every time because it's like I don't have to know. I'm gonna come and I'll see what happens. I don't have to know what's gonna happen. I mean, this is ba it's basically an entertainment movement in Oakland. For sure, for sure. But it's more than that. It's like a bunch of people, a bunch of these people are peers. I was on my way to go say what's up to come out. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's up? You know, what I mean? like it's like a real community of thought, like thought leaders and people who think. And people who are really interested in, like, you know, not only putting Oakland on the map, but, like, actually, like, really strengthening the fabric of Oakland. Because it's a strong fabric. And, like, it's getting stronger and stronger. You know what I mean? Once that fabric gets so knit, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> you are currently wearing the fabric, literally, of Oakland, Tommy. Wasn't expecting that, right? <laughs> I mean, as a self-proclaimed culture maker, how do you describe the culture of Oakland? Culture of Oakland is, I don't know, I'll say it in one word, family. Not blood, chosen family. The questions we're asking a lot of these folks are, what are the stories that aren't being told about Oakland just yet, and what do you want to see on the screen to be told? What hasn't been told is that Oakland is an epicenter of creativity that almost bursts at the seams sometimes. But I don't know if seeing that on screen is gonna change the world's view of Oakland. You know what I mean? I think we just gotta keep doing what we do and just become undeniably un like recognizable for what Oakland really is. I'm sorry to get so deep on you. <laughs> no, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. Final question, can I have your Taylor's number? Uh, yes, it's called 1-800-CLOTHING-BROKER. <laughs> www.clothingbroker.com slash Reginald. Hey, go, go track down. Come I out. gotta go. I gotta go on the web. Thank you. We'll see you in there. Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it. This podcast is a proud member of the bff.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.fm, best frequencies forever.